good internet. It's the Harvest of Colin Atrophy, and I'm very happy to welcome you to episode number 34 of Life Harvester Radio, my podcast that I call a radio show to my punk friends because I don't like to say the word podcast. Um, this month, the guest is um, my sister wife, Asher Waite Jones. Um, he is the husband of Becca's best friend, and they have some sort of mind meld. He texted me this morning. Does that make us sister wives? I think the answer is yes, and I'm, I'm happy to uh, be a sister wife to him. He's great. Um, we talk about a bunch of cool stuff. He has a wild story uh, where he like was kicked out of the house for being queer, lived under a bridge, and went to high school every day. Um, ended up in the Bay, is a lawyer for um, underserved communities. And then we also talked about the TV show Riverdale. I think you guys have a lot to look forward to. Also, before this intro runs out, um, just go real quick and rate me five stars wherever you're listening to this. Also, don't forget, I have a Patreon now. Um, I'll put a link in the episode description, but if you subscribe to that Patreon, I'll mail you newsletters, I'll mail you mixtapes, I'll send you a mix every month in the um, email. Um, it'll be tight, and it's, um, I just need a little extra scratch right now, so help a lady out. Okay, bye. So what's uh, what's your deal? What's your name? Why My name you... is Asher. Yeah, Asher what? Asher Wait Jones. Asher Wait Jones. Mm-hmm. How do you spell it? So I can write it down. Yeah, it's W A I T E hyphen J O N E S. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, Not my given name. The first, last name. First or last name. The whole thing's the made whole up. thing's made up. Whoa, we can talk about that later. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's my accidental whitewashing where I had a very ethnically Jewish last name and then changed my last name when I was disowned to one of my best friend's last names. And now I seem like a fucking wasp instead of the beautiful Semitic angel that I am. So you, is your friend's last name hyphenated? Yes. And you took the whole last name? I took the whole last oh, name. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. I took the whole last name. Um, and yeah, a lot of people ask me what it was before I was married. And that's confusing. Because um, you have the same last cause name. Because you're married now and you have the same last name. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Um, so let's start at the beginning. Yes. Where, where, do, where do you think the beginning is? You're from well, Pittsburgh. I'm from... Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I grew up as an Orthodox Jew in Squirrel Hill. Uh huh. Um, Describe Squirrel Hill for the non yeah Yinzer listener. Yeah. So Squirrel Hill is an interesting place. Um, Squirrel Hill is a neighborhood in the city of Pittsburgh. Um, it's located um, very close to. Oakland, the neighborhood of Pittsburgh, not Oakland, California. Um, and it's, 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 a, it's a primarily Jewish or heavily Jewish like 
mixed-ish income neighborhood mm -hmm. um, going from like pretty well off to lower middle class, sure. I would say. Um, and it is, it is, it is the Jewish neighborhood in Pittsburgh. It has a lot of Pittsburgh synagogues. It has a lot of um, the Jewish day, the community day school for, for the Jewish day school uh, is is in Squirrel Hill. Um, I grew up in Squirrel Hill, and the synagogue I went to also in Squirrel Hill. What's your family like? What's your childhood like? Yeah. How much do you want to talk about that? Yeah, you don't I'm have to talk about it a ton. Yeah, I'm happy to talk about it. So. Um, my parents are both the children of Eastern European Jewish refugees. Um, and my grandfather, my great grandfather uh, on my mom's side was in the Communist Party. And my grandfather, when he was a kid, used to sell communist newspapers um, in like the park uh, in New York. Uh, and one of the parks, multiple of the parks, yeah, I'm sure. not sure, probably in Queens. Um, and he would sell these newspapers and then he would have to like run from the cops um, when they came to like bust him for being a like communist baby. Uh, he subsequently was not a communist in his adult life, which is unfortunate, but he was this like crass old Jew, old New York Jew. Um, my parents ended up in Pittsburgh um they had me i'm the oldest and then i have two i have twin younger brothers and my grandparents were all like secular jews like they were very very yiddish but not yeah or not religious and both of my parents as adults like found orthodox judaism um and that's a kind of like i think vehemence Yes. That is probably really intense to grow up around. Yes. Yes. It was really intense. Um, I, it was hard being a like sensitive gay baby around like really intense, strict Orthodox Jewish parents. Um, there was a lot of friction in my house. Um, I, was kicked out pretty young and yeah. I fell in with like homeless like street punks in Pittsburgh. So you stayed in you got kicked out of your house in Pittsburgh yes. and stayed in town. You yes. didn't like run away far away. No. And you were were you sleeping on the street or were you like sleeping like couch surfing or whatever? I couch surfed a little bit. I um stayed in um squat houses i stayed briefly um i worked at the warhol museum and youth publications and i stayed with mary mack for a as little a bit as a teen oh my god <laughs> she hasn't i haven't interviewed her yet but she's going to be on this yes. show eventually yes yes um, i stayed with mary mack mary mack like had my back when i had a fucking sti as a 17 year old hell yeah um thanks mary <laughs> Um, and, uh, I stayed under the, uh, under the, under a bridge, like going to between the library and Shenley park. Um, Was it like a little crust Lord encampment? Yes. Or were you, yeah. So you were like safe sleeping outside with like a, a group of people. Safe. Safe is not. Yeah. <laughs> safe 
adjacent. Safe, <laughs> safe from yeah. Safe from the people out. Safe from strangers. Safe from strangers. Yes. Uh, perhaps not yes. safe from the people you were with. Yes. Yes. Um, the were you still going to school? Yes. And Did everybody, you finish high school? I finished high school. I finished high school. I went to my high school graduation. I walked out from under this bridge. My high school graduation was at this old, weird, like, auditorium um, called Soldiers and Sailors uh-huh. in Oakland. And... Um, I know it's like... That is not, like, an explicitly gay name for a place, but it feel, every yes. time I hear the name of it, yes. I'm just like... Yes. Who and are have, these? I can picture yeah. these like like chiseled statues yes. of strong men. Yes. And there are chiseled. Are there? No, I'm thinking of the gay soldier in, um, yeah, in uh, Lawrenceville. Yeah. No, there's like weird cannons outside of soldiers and sailors. Yeah. I, so I went to my high school graduation from under this bridge. Um, <laughs> what I remember best about my high school graduation is I was walking behind this girl, um, my friend Cassandra, and her whole dress came unzipped. So I had to zip it up uh, for her as we walked up to the stage to graduate. And Cassandra also sang the national anthem. Um, and uh, she had gum in her mouth. And so she had to take the gum out of her mouth. And she like held it up while she sang to like conduct herself. And then at the end, put it back in her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> which is that's, yucky that's disgusting yeah, and incredible super yucky yeah um that's yeah. real pittsburgh that the like yes. the person that sang the anthem at the high school graduation just like took her gum out in yes. front of everybody yes. and just held it yes and then um, ate it again yeah yes why'd you get kicked out of your parents house you know, I it must have been related to being a like young queer punk, but the catalyst event is that I refused to go to synagogue on Yom Kippur. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like if you're not going to go to synagogue. Yeah. My mom was living um had just gotten a job in upstate New York. So my mom and my brothers were living in upstate New York and my dad oh, okay. stayed behind for a for a little while. Um and my dad was like we're going to synagogue it's Yom Kippur. Um and I was like I am not going. My dad was like it's a sin to not go. It's a sin to not obey your parents. And I said I don't believe in God. Fuck. For the first time maybe ever. And my dad was like if you don't believe in God, then you can't live in this house. And I said, fuck you, dad. And that was it. That was that. Yeah. That was that. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. intense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think of being a, like, young teen punk as both, like, you know, and things were really bad at home for a long time. Right. And I think that being a teen punk both was the, like, supportive of me in kind of being able to say, like, no, I'm not going to take this shit anymore. Like, I'm out. Yeah. But also, so, and and then supportive of me, like, like, I wouldn't have had anywhere to go. Was I not this, like, weird punk kid? And I wouldn't have had the kind of knowledge of, like, I'll be able to be fine. I'll stay in these squat houses. I'll stay with these like weird adults that I know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I wouldn't have been able to figure that out with, without having been a punk, but I also don't know that I would have been kicked out had I not had this like right. formative anti-authoritarian, like, fuck you, dad. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the chicken and egg situation. Yes. yes. It's like um, punk prepares you for the outcome of being punk yes. or something. Yes. In a yes. way that's like, well, you know, yes. maybe you wouldn't have had this problem in the first place. Yes. Although I'm, I'm very impressed that you continue to go to high school. Yeah. Like, I can't yes. believe that. Yes. You know, it's so funny. I was remembering this recently. Um, everybody made fun of me for going to high school. Like your friends. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody made fun of me because you're fucking living under a bridge. Like, you don't need to go to high school. Like, you can fucking drop out. Um, and I was like, no, like, I want to go. And I don't even, in retrospect, I don't even know why I want to go. But I remember that the folks I was living with, including my, like, shitty scumfuck boyfriend, was like, you're going to go to high school and you're going to be, you're going to, like, you're going to go to high school and you're smart. So you're going to go to high school and you're going to graduate and then you're going to be our lawyer. And it's very weird to me that now, like, I am their lawyer. Right. <laughs> In, like, a way. Not theirs, um, literally. But, but not theirs, literally. But other... But I'm, exactly. Other fucked up teens. Yes. Yeah. Other fucked up teens. Other, like, weird fucking punks. Um, I'm their lawyer. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, you're living under a bridge. Yes. Going to high school. Yes. Did, how did you even get up in time for school? Like, how did you get to school? I've always woken up really early. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> that, that is an unexciting answer, but yeah, sure. Yeah, I've always yeah. woken up really early. I think I like... And like... I was a... Like, the city would wake up early, and mm-hmm. so I would just sort of like... Yeah, and sleeping outside, yeah, actually, sleeping outside you get woken up. conducive to... Yeah, to waking yeah. up really early. Like, it gets yeah. super hot or exactly. super cold. Exactly. Um, yeah, for sure. I didn't even think yeah. about that. Yeah. But, um, okay, so you, you're homeless in high school, yeah. and then you graduate high school. Yes. And then what do you do? Do you stick around Pittsburgh? No. So, no. So, the it's so crazy. The day... So my dad was was going to move to upstate New York. And my dad was like, you know, I knew he was going to move to be with my mom and my brothers. And I was like, okay, like, see you later. I'm staying here. You know, I had gotten into school. Um, you got into I got college? Into, into college. In Pittsburgh? No, um, in, in New York. Okay. And I was like, but I'm not going to fucking go. I'm going to be a... Google for life. Um, yeah. That's my plan. And the day before my dad moved, my brothers were in town. So I wanted to see them. So I walked out from under the bridge and I got a call from someone as five minutes after I left. 
and he called me as he was running from the police and he said, everyone down here has been arrested. There was this major bust. We all had drugs. Like, you gotta go. Don't come back here. Was all your stuff down there? Did you have a lot of stuff? I did not have a lot of stuff and my stuff was, I believe my stuff was with me. Cool, okay. Um, like very concerned about your clothes and yes, books or yes, whatever, whatever zines yes, you might have owned. Exactly, exactly. My uh, my fucking, my door, my one Dora scene. Yeah, your one issue of exactly. Doris. Exactly, and my issue of support scene. Thanks, Cindy Crab. Yeah, um, like <laughs> kleptocracy tape. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. Yes, yes. And my like dirty skirt and my leftover crack shirt. My fucking prized possession. Um still good um the shirt or the band the band not the shirt no the yeah fair enough yeah really that one choking victim album yeah yeah the seven inch yeah squad is tired so good so good i play it once a year yes once a year every march i listen when it's spring when spring comes i listen to squad is paradise seven inch and i look up it's tell me a more jewish thing than this i listen to it and then I look up its value on Discogs, and then, wow. I, and then I put it away. Wow, that's this oh. 2019. It was valued at 110 dollars. Jeez, <laughs> that's, wow, that that's incredible. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, once a year, as I'm going to sleep, every year, once a year, I I think of um, fi- that song, 500 Channels, and how much I love the rhyme of ignorance with sycophant oh yeah um i i love that shit so 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 i'm leaving the bridge bridge. everyone's getting arrested everyone's getting arrested fucking for drugs for paraphernalia don't come back under the bridge i'm like i didn't know how the legal system worked i didn't know if people were going to be away forever i was losing my support system i told my friend what was happening she told my folks or she told her mom who called my parents and my mom found out freaked and was like you've got to bring our child with you to upstate new york i left home again i went to my friend's house in new jersey about a month later wait so yeah so your dad brings you to upstate New York? My dad brings me to upstate New York. Okay. I, Have you already changed your name at this point? No. Okay. No. It's okay, the old okay, name. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. I leave. I go to New Jersey to visit my friend. The first day I'm there, about a month, maybe not even a month, maybe three weeks after I'd left from under the bridge, I'm leaving her house. I collapse on her porch. I had a pulmonary embolism. I had blood clots in my lungs. Jesus. Like massive clotting. Um, and then I was hospitalized um, for a couple weeks because it's pretty serious when you yeah. have blood clots in your lungs. Yeah, that's huge. And um, And then I was like, I was so sick. I didn't know what to do next besides like, I guess I'm going to go to college. Right. Because I need health care. I need whatever. Um, and then I sort of dropped out and went back and dropped out and went back. And In New York you went to college? In New York. Mm-hmm. Upstate or in the city? Uh, upstate. And then 
Yeah, I hated college. And I graduated and I moved back to Pittsburgh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. It's crazy to think back on collapsing on the porch because, you know, there's so many barriers when you're homeless, when you're doing drugs, when you're like, yeah, I have, like, it's this point in my life that I feel like I can look back and point to when everyone was arrested and being forced to like come clean to my friend who came clean to her mom who like told my like had i been under that bridge i would have died when you had that pulmonary when i had the pee yeah yeah i would have died yeah yeah for sure yeah it's fucking crazy it's really yeah it's wild the way that those chains of events can sometimes yeah yes yes yeah so you graduate college? Yes, I graduate college. What did you go to college for? Um, I I like stu- I I went to like this liberal arts college. So I studied fucking bullshit. What college did you go to? I went to Sarah Lawrence. I love that you s- call Bronxville upstate New York. Everyone in the city calls no, it upstate New York. No, I know. That's yeah, why I love it exactly. because it's like it's actually Geographically, no, it's right outside the city. It is twenty minutes from the Bronx. Yes, but yes. it is, um, and I'm from Westchester County. Ah, like I grew up in New yeah, Rochelle. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, I know your Metro North station. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I th- and I all I'm, I'm also like yeah sure it's upstate. It's like, upstate. Let's call it upstate. Fucking fine. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, went there because I was like. They had gone to my high school and had been like, you can study whatever you want here. And I was like, wow, this must be a college full of punks. And um, I went there and it was all rich people yeah. who were fucking terrible. Um, I did work study, I remember, at this tea shop. And tea cost $1 and nobody ever tipped me, um, which is fucking bonkers. Yeah, because none of them had ever had a job. No, none of them had ever had a job. And they were trying to, like, stretch out their allowance. Yes. And that did not include a tip. No, no, no. For fucking $1 tea. Um, Yeah, so I, um, yeah, it was truly bizarre. And so that's why I dropped out. I, like, got there and was like, it'll be all punks and, like, all weirdos. And no, it's, like, all these fucking wealthy, shitty people who were so rude to me and I had been so traumatized and I was so flipped out that I was like, get me the fuck out of here. Yeah. And I dropped out. Um, and then um, moved back here. Then was like, I guess I'll go back. Like, it was a whole You mess. finished at Sarah Lawrence? I finished at Sarah Lawrence. I took a shit ton of summer classes. Yeah, so you, but <laughs> so you did I like a little... To, yeah. Yeah. And then you, so you finished Sarah Lawrence. Yes. What did you study? Um, I studied, I took mostly like, I studied, it was like a liberal arts degree. I took mostly uh, sociology and poetry classes. Okay. And then you come to Pittsburgh. And then I come back, I come home. Um, and I came home, I left, when I left. At this point, have you changed your name yet? Exactly. So I had, I left and was in the punk scene you know, I was in the punk scene when I left and I was using a different name. And then I came back to move back and I was using Asher. Um, and, 
You know, I think it was, I think I expected it to be a harder transition, if you will, than, than it was. Um, there were very... What year was this? I moved back in 2011. Oh, I mean, at this point, like, punks had been so accustomed to just, like, calling people beanpole or whatever. Exactly. Or, like, squirrel. <laughs> I knew a lady in 2003 named Squirrel. Yeah. You know what I mean? Some, yeah. like, Asheville eco-activist. Yeah. And it's like... Yeah. If we've all been calling each other animal names for fucking 10 yes. years, like, at this we point... Might as well. You want just, like, a regular name that's not the one that you were born with? Fucking that's fine. That's fucking fine. Yeah, I can handle that. Yes. And I think, like... But have, I, you, have you changed the last name already? No. Okay. No. Um, but nobody really knew my last name. Right. Um, and I changed my name. So I changed my name. I changed to Asher in 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, 2009? 2009 or 2010. Um, and I changed my pronouns around that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think... And, that, and I got top surgery. I got top surgery here. From this surgeon whose name is Dr. Heckler. Heckler? Heckler, which is not not an ideal name for a plastic yeah. surgeon. He also called areolas areolas. And that's why my top surgery looks was A, fucking super cheap, and B, looks a little fucked up. Um, but that's, that's fixer for you. Yeah. Yeah, so I got top surgery here. Um, and it was funny because I feel like a lot of punks were like, the name change was not a problem. Nobody cared. The pronoun change, I think, was hard for folks. Yeah, people were still confused we're by that. We're still back confused then. by that. And people were still, I think, like pretty confused as to like why I was getting surgery. Um, not everyone, but I think a lot of people were sort of like, I don't really get it, but you're stoked about it. And this is really important to you. So like, what do I need to do to show up for you? Right. So I had, it was one of the best times of my life I, because I had round the clock surgical care from like all these weird sweet punks who like made me. Just like getting fucking, stuff off high shelves exactly, for you or whatever. Yeah. Getting shit out of high shelves. I, I remember um, I like, was pretty bedridden for the first week or like mostly around the house. Um, and uh, I, the, it was New Year's. I, I, the first time I went out was a New Year's Eve party about a week and a half outside of after surgery. And everyone at this New Year's Eve party was so stoked to see me. Everybody also was super fucking wasted. And everyone was just like, trying to lift up my shirt to like look at my chest and giving me two hard hugs and like <laughs> are you hanging out now with the same people you were living with under the bridge or no. like the same kind of crew no. or all those people out of your life all those people are pretty out of my life okay i was um is it people that you knew from the punk scene back then that you're hanging out with in your return to pittsburgh or is it new people? some of them yeah some of them a lot of them i was a little bit younger Mm-hmm. Then everyone, so when I was a teen and they were early 20s, it mattered a lot. And so I was just this kind of like awkward, like cr- younger, crusty girl who was like trying to kick it with like cool older punks. Right. And now like we're all fucking old. Like nobody yeah. cared as much yeah, when I'm in matter. my early 20s and other people are in their mid 20s. Right. Um, or late 20s. 
to yeah, those like three to five better. years exactly. no longer make that big a exactly. difference. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, a different crew. A different crew. Cool. Yeah. And they're all, I mean, did you read that? Were you, an, I mean, it sounds annoying mm. at the very least. The like trying to pull your shirt up and stuff. Yeah. Did it was you, not annoying. It wasn't annoying? You no, liked it? No, I loved it. Yeah, you love being the center of attention. I'm a, a little bit of a queen. Yeah. So you were just like, because I, th- I feel like there's like a lot of ways to read that, right? Like yeah. some per- some people could legitimately feel objectified yeah. or like whatever. I hear that and I hear like, these people love me. Yes. These people are being affectionate to yes. me in the ways they know how. Like yes. maybe I'm too generous with drunks because yes. I am yeah. one. But yeah. like. Yes. Um. And that's how that's how it felt that, to you. It yeah, felt good. Yes, it felt really. And I think it was like when I came out as trans, and I said I was going to get top surgery to my biological family. It was kind of the the last straw in a series of last straws. And my mom was like, I remember so vividly, my mom being like, "Maybe we should sit shiva for you." Fuck. Yeah, like you're killing our daughter you're like you're you're doing this because you're crazy or people hurt you or like you're just confused this is a phase and when i was gonna get top surgery my mom was like this is like when you cut yourself when you were a teen when you were like a depressed teen yeah and which is funny because that's like i think oddly prescient in yes predicting like turf rhetoric now yes completely completely and being here and being in a punk scene that felt very much like a family to me Mm -hmm. like that evening when everybody, like, I showed up at this party and everyone was like, Asher, you look so good. And was, like, hugging me too hard. And, like, Asher, you look so good. Can I see your chest? Like, you look amazing. You look yeah. so happy. That, to me, I was like, there's no place but this one. This is my place. This is my home. And these people are my family. And I'm going to accept this love in the way I'm going to see this for what it is, yeah. which is like unconditional love. And this this message from my people that like, we may not fully understand what's going on, but like, we love you and you're happy. And so we're happy. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So... You finish college. You're yes. back in Pittsburgh. Yes. You're hanging out with punks. You get yes. top surgery. You change yes. your name. Yes. Um, what is life like for you here? What are you doing? Um. Yeah. Pittsburgh is funny. This place is funny. Um. Because at the time I was living here, um, there was there was is and like always has been and always probably will be this like really beautiful like wacky punk scene um and um and there's there was also like a smaller close-knit queer scene right and they overlapped but but not completely 
Um, that seems to be the story in a lot of places. Yes. Yes. And I always felt more aligned with punks here mm -hmm. than I did with with people who were like queer non-punks or like queer like punk adjacent people. Sure. Um, and I think that's because I was like identified as punk before I identified as queer. Yeah. Also, like I was talking to Cindy about this the other day where it's like sometimes you expect a certain amount of... Uh, like shared experience from just being yes. around the same type of people. And like I was at a trans buddy shift talking mm -hmm. to like a fellow volunteer, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like trans buddy is this like direct action. Right. Like, kind of like cool, like, like pretty intense, uh, you know, like trans medical resource, whatever. Right. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes right. or whatever if people want to read about it. But it's like um, I'm talking to this guy from trans buddy and he's like, I'm telling him about my history doing um, survivor support work in New York right. and like accountability. Right. And he's asking me about the collective because he works for some, also works for some nonprofit um, here in Pittsburgh that's like a rape survivor advocacy oh. group. And I'm talking to him about it and I'm like, yeah, you know, and we were doing this one thing and then uh, where we were doing like community accountability work. Right. But at the same time, there was this other collective called Crazy Bitches yeah. that were. Do you, do you know them in New yeah. York? Yeah, that were breaking into people's yes. houses and beating up yeah. rapists with yeah. baseball bats and hammers. Yeah. And uh, this guy got his hand, yeah. all his fingers broken with a hammer. Yeah. And he was like, well, that's bad. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? And yeah. he said it in this way where he expected me to yeah. agree, you know? And I was like, yeah. what do you mean that's bad? And he was like, that's like not good. That's fucked up to do violence. And I was like, I don't know, man, like, there's a diversity of tactics. Like, yeah. that's not what I'm going to do. Yeah. That's not how I want to do it. And yeah. if I'm actively doing community accountability, then I will not publicly be saying right. that um, it's cool to go break someone's hand with a hammer. Right. But, like, in my personal life, yeah. there's a diversity of tactics. Yeah. And sometimes what you need to do is break someone's fucking yeah. hand with Someone a hammer. Someone needs their fucking hand broke sometimes. Um, yeah. And, like, in a similar vein, I was talking to the organize the like the head of the program yeah. and she was like um she was like god you're so you're so good at f i had figured out a, a way to streamline part of the process mm. of how we operate inside one hospital yeah. and she was like how did you even figure that out and i was like well you know i think it's because of all the time i spent like doing crimes when i was young yeah i'm like good at sussing out how to be the least obtrusive in any given setting yeah. and she was like what do you mean doing crimes and I realized that I just like assumed that everyone like shoplifted, wrote graffiti yes. and like yes. whatever, whatever had drugs on them, yes. you know, like their entire teen years. Yes. And there's something about that as yeah. like one of the defining yeah. factors of who I am yes. more than any other idea, more than I'm uh, a New York Jew yes. even, yes. more than I am like a person that loves pizza, yes. more than I am... Yes. Um, anything yes. it's like these the, these like foundational yes. experiences define me yes and i'll always connect the most readily with people that have similar yes foundational experiences does that make yes. sense i kind that of makes rambled. that's that's precisely that's like a very eloquent way of saying what i'm saying is yeah. like for sure 
And I, and I think it's why I like, you know, I have like a shared identity with other queer and trans people, but there's a shared experience that I have with punks generally and people who've been punks since they were kids generally and people who are punk who are from Pittsburgh and from Western Pennsylvania. Yeah. Generally, specifically. Yeah, for sure. Um, so how long do you stay here? Because you you live in the Bay now. When, yes, how did you I live in, in the, the Bay? I live in the in the Oakland across the country. I live yeah, in Oakland, live California. The, yeah, the other Oakland. So I stayed in Pittsburgh for two years, um, and leaving had a lot to do with. I dated this queer trans man who's not a punk, um, who you know, was like pretty terrible. Um, I had this thing where I had like, I was a like chubby kid. I was a weird kid. I was a weird Jew, like um, in a place that is, can be very, very anti-Semitic and very hateful of, you know, yeah, of, of Jews, of weirdos, of like punks, of queers, of whatever, right? Of people of color, like, um, so I, I, because of those, like the formative experiences that I had here, the experiences I had with my family, the experiences I had being like a fat kid that no one wanted to date. I have like, I had, I'm like in like self-esteem recovery mm-hmm. and at various points in my life I've had pretty bad self-esteem. So there's this thing that, that happened to me for years where like, if someone got a crush on me, I would be like that's like the most attractive thing to me like if you like me right then like i should i like you now like we should probably date and this person thought i was so cool and so weird and like so different and so hot um and i was really kind of turned on by that and we we dated even though he was pretty terrible um to me we dated for about a year and then we broke up and Pittsburgh, like, you can avoid someone pretty easy here, but you just have to not go out. Um, yeah, it's so small. It's so small. And I was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. I yeah. got to get away from this person. Sure. And that means, like, he's not going to cede this ground and, like, I have to cede this ground. Um, sure. I think is 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 like the biggest piece of it i think the other piece of it is i was like i want to go to law school and if i go to pit because that your scum fuck boyfriend under the bridge telling you to be the lawyer boyfriend yeah the the like <laughs> the real line in my life is that like many of the things that i've done in my life i've done because other people were like this is cool which is like not a very punk thing to admit yeah, but it's a very punk thing to actually do. Like, yeah. That's like true yeah. for so much of punk stuff is yeah. just like um, it's actually just a result of peer pressure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very susceptible, <laughs> clearly, um, to peer pressure. Have you changed your last name yet? Yes. When did you do that? I want to, I just, we yes. started with that, so I don't oh, want to yes. lose that in the story. Yes. Um, I changed my last name in April 2012. I changed my last name to get away to feel a lot of separation from my family of origin mm-hmm. and also um i thought asher Waite jones sounded very smart 
Yeah, it is. It's a good name. Yeah, it's a good lawyer name. It is a good I lawyer felt. name. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so I I changed my name. 2012? No, 2013. 2013? April 2013. Were you already in law school at this point? No. Okay. It was pre-law school. Um, I, um, yeah, and the real, <laughs> I thought about going to law school at Pitt, and uh, I didn't even apply, and I didn't even apply, and I knew I didn't want to go to law school here, partially because I wanted to move because of that relationship, in large part because of that. But also, really, I was like, I'll never get any homework done. I have too many friends. I have to go somewhere where I don't have yeah, friends. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, so I applied to all these different places. Um, I applied to Berkeley, uh, UC Berkeley, on a whim. Um, when I got into UC Berkeley, I was skipping work, uh, watching uh, that TV show, The Hills, um, uh-huh. <laughs> in bed with my best friend, Emily. Um, and I got a call and I asked the Dean of Admissions. He was like, you're in at UC Berkeley. And I said, is this a prank call? (laughs) And he was like, you have really bad friends if you think this is a prank call. And I, he was like, it's not. And then I had to look up who the Dean of Admissions was to just make sure it wasn't my weird friends. But no, yeah. So I got into Berkeley. They flew me out to go visit. And I was like, yeah, the Bay seems cool. Yeah. Um, and when I moved, I told everybody, you know, I'll see you in three years because I'm going to move back after. Yeah, for sure. After law school. Um, and I didn't. Um, you know, I think because I had this idea that I was, you know, I'll finish law school and I'll come back and I'm going to be a lawyer to all of my friends. Right. And what I realized most of the way through my second year of law school was like if I go back to Pittsburgh right out of law school I'm not I'm not going to go back and be able to be a good lawyer to all my friends I'm going to be like shitty at best right. so I better be good you gotta learn before I go back yeah um and so the Bay Area you know is very good for being a training ground for like phenomenal attorneys because there's so many phenomenal attorneys in the Bay. Yeah, and you got to undo all that damage Kamala Harris yeah. did. Woo! I know. She's the doof. She's yeah. bad. Very bad. Bad, bad, bad. Bad, um, bad, bad. So you finished law school. I finished law school. At Berkeley. Yep. Have you like um, connected with a punk scene in the Bay at this yes. point? Yes. Connected with a punk scene. Um, I hung out because I myself am sober. Mm-hmm. Um, I hung out with a lot of Mazel Tov. Yes, me too. thank you so much. Did you work a program, by the way, or did you just do it? I just did it. Hell well, yeah. I did it because I was on blood thinners post blood clots. Right. And I stopped. So I stopped. I had to stop drinking because of the blood thinners, but I didn't stop drinking. Mm-hmm. I like should have, but I didn't. Yeah. And that was like I was like maybe I have a problem. And then post blood thinners, every time I drank, I went through the same really bad cycle where I would like drink I didn't know how to drink in moderation so I would drink I would get wasted and my wasted trajectory post blood thinners was I would get drunk I would try to make out with someone in the creepiest way possible they would be like I don't want to kiss you because you're being fucking weird and then I would cry because they didn't want to kiss me and then I would spend the rest of the evening in the bathroom looking at myself in the mirror 
fucking sobbing. That sucks. And that sucks. It's a terrible way to spend an evening. Yeah. And no one wants to be around that person and no one wants to be that person. Right. So I was like, like, yeah, I should really stop. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And I stopped. I stopped. I, the last time I drank was uh, New Year's Eve 20, uh, 2009. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're sober. You're in the Bay. Yep. You are connecting with punks. You were yep. saying. Yes. A lot of straight edge kids, a lot of straight edge punks, um, a lot of queer punks, which was super nice. Um, I never had kind of quite enough time to get like really enmeshed in a like punk scene. Mm-hmm. Um because you were working so Because I was working, I was in school, I was interning, um, but I like fell in with like a sweet crew. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I was dating someone when I graduated. Um, so I didn't want to move because I like wanted to like hang out with her more. Um, and then we broke up and I was like, well, I'll just go back to Pittsburgh. And then um, I started dating Hannah. Oh, no shit. Yeah. 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 And um and now y'all are married. Yeah. Now we're goddamn married. I know. Yeah. Wild world. California gay married. California gay married. Yeah. Um yeah. do you want to talk a little bit about the work that you do? Sure. With teens and then we can get to your gay agenda for this yes. interview. Yes. Perfect. Yes. So um for two and a half years, I worked at Legal Services for Children in San Francisco, mm-hmm. um, and I was working with homeless teenagers. Yeah, and this this is a, a very obvious question. Yeah. Do you think your experience as a homeless teen uh, informed your decision to advocate on behalf of homeless teens? Fuck yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Right? Definitely. And Colin, working with homeless teens, the number one thing that I learned about myself, working with homeless teens is that I'm fucking old. I'm so old. And I suck. I'm old, number one. Number two, I suck so much. Um, And I knew I was old very early on because all the teens fucking hated me, thought I sucked, thought I was the worst. Right. Um, Because I was over 21 old and not buying them alcohol. You suck. Um... And, and I was like, wow, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm fucking super old. Um, and then right, probably a month before I left that job and started working at my job now, I had the like defining experience of my old adulthood where I was talking to this queer punk homeless teen who's 20 Um, and they were telling me, they were like, oh yeah, I'm going to do, I'm going to get this really cool tattoo. And I was like, fuck yeah, I love tattoos. What tattoo are you going to get? And they were like, I'm going to tattoo my eyeball bright green. And I was like, that's permanent and seems dangerous, which is what my mom said to me about my tattoos And it like threw me into this fucking crisis where then I felt like, oh shit, like I'm this old judgmental square. And so then I spent the next like 15 minutes telling that young person what it was like when I was a young punk. And I told them, 
that everyone had stickers on their bikes that said this bike is a pipe bomb and that everyone put those crime think stickers on pay phones that said this phone is tapped um and they were like cool you suck i'll see you later and then yeah. came back the next week with their green eyeball wait it worked yeah it worked and they didn't go blind um really you can yeah. tattoo an eyeball yeah you can tattoo you like how the fuck yeah um yeah you're gonna need a content warning for this one because it gets crazy. You like inject dye into your eyeball and through the veins of your eye, it like spreads throughout your entire fucking eye. And if you're thinking that seems dangerous, the answer is you can fucking go blind. It's really dangerous. Wow. Yeah, so my one client had green one green eyeball this other kid had we're talking about the white part the of the white eye turns part green. of the eye turns electric green then my other client had one eyeball tattooed black and one eyeball tattooed red and i told him that the red eyeball made him look like he was high all the time and he said i am brother <laughs> Which was sick. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Teens, yeah. So I did that for about, I worked with those teens. Um, sure. For about two and a half years. Um, was constantly getting mistaken for them in juvenile court. Um, and then um, I, I am now uh, a clinical professor of law at UC Berkeley. Um, working on uh, at the East Bay Community Law Center, um, mm -hmm. working on uh, issues related to criminal court fines and fees. Um, so with adults, which right. is weird. Yeah. Are they? Um, and that's like, what does that work entail? Or like, yeah. what do you? What is your? Uh, yeah. yeah. What are you doing? So I am um, representing people who have any type of court ordered debt. Mm -hmm. um, from criminal or traffic court. Okay. Um, I'm doing debt defense. So when people get calls from collection agencies trying to collect that debt, I call and yell at the collection agency. Um, I represent people in traffic court who get charged um, with, you know, moving violations or BART fare evasion mm -hmm. or municipal violations related to homelessness. Um, I represent people in parking tickets. I'm a great person to know if you get a parking ticket in the Bay Area. Um, and I do some statewide advocacy. Um, right now, there's a bill in the California State Legislature which would eliminate like 96, I think, um, different uh, types of criminal court debt. Like it would wipe out a huge number. Um, Not just eliminate them going forward, but also retroactively up. oh hell yeah. yeah yeah it's like millions billions of dollars of criminal court debt would just be fucking gone including probation fees public defender fees um you know rested rest the the fee that they make you pay if you are gonna have to pay restitution like all these crazy ass fees, right. um, a ton of them would just be gone. Right, many of which functionally just serve to keep people poor in people in 
Yes. Poverty. Yes. There was a, we were, the group I'm working with, uh, Debt Free Justice California, did this, um, did all these Public Record Act requests trying to get information about what's the collection rate on criminal court, uh, court ordered fees um, and on probation fees, um, which like Alameda County, Berkeley, and Oakland, um, the probation fee was $90 a month. Um, and people would leave, exit the criminal legal system with like over, with 6,000, 10,000, like crazy amounts of debt. Yeah. Um, so in, in San Francisco, um, the, uh, oh yeah, so Debt Free Justice California did this, did all these Public Record Act requests saying, hey, we want to know for counties, what is the collection rate? How much of the probation debt are you collecting? It's actually getting back to the city exactly. yeah, or the county. Exactly. Um, to give you an example, San Francisco's collection rate was 9%. So the city's not getting this revenue. It's, the county's not getting this revenue, but people are being in kept in poverty, getting wages garnished. Right. So not it's being like, able to get a job. It's, fu- yeah. it's, fu- it's not like erasing... Uh, millions to billions of dollars worth of debt is not erasing millions to billions of dollars of revenue revenue yes because that debt is not being paid it's just accruing more debt yes and like maybe collection agencies are actually seeing most of the money in terms of because they start getting paid they buy the debt and then get paid down yeah yes Alameda County was so funny Um, Alameda County has because they saw these numbers from that the East Bay Community Law Center gathered um, the, the Alameda County had like bil- millions of dollars in outstanding court debt um, for just the fiscal year 2016 to 2017, like millions of dollars, collected just over $200,000, mm-hmm. but paid like $125,000 in collection fees to the collection agency. And so they only collected just over a hundred thousand dollars of actual of actual revenue, revenue for the county, which is like point oh one yeah, percent a, of probation stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, it's nothing. So the, it's yeah. We say it's it's high pain, low gain. Um, yeah. So that's the work that I'm doing. Cool. Um, call me if you get a parking ticket. In, yeah. Uh, in uh, the Bay Area, um, the work. To, to have it fully come full circle, the, the work at the East Bay Community Law Center. So I'm in the Clean Slate Unit, which is a criminal justice record remedy unit. And the subunit of my work is called the Decriminalization of Poverty Unit, okay. or DCOP, which I think sounds like a peace punk band. DCOP sounds like a peace punk band, right? yeah. Um, should we get to what we really are here to talk about? Yes which is um, your critiques of the legal system as represented in the television show Riverdale. Junk, junk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. In my spare time, I say that I'm the um, legal director at Riverdale Legal Services, Mm -hmm. um, which is the uh, civil and criminal legal service provider in um, in the the city of Riverdale, New York. Yeah. Um, Riverdale... The legal system is really interesting, and I've been thinking about it a lot in preparation for this podcast. Okay. Because there are some actually really good, really interesting examples of 
powerful messages for teens and good messages for teens um, in vis-a-vis the legal system in Riverdale, uh, our favorite show. Yeah, well, it's like I talk about like the teen vogification of America or whatever, yeah. where it's like the something that was so striking to me in the first season was just that uh, the entire first season of a teen drama was about a bunch of kids trying to stop a private prison from being built. Yes. Uh, and yeah. that's just that's like... season two. Is that season two? That's season two. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I'm getting my... Yeah, no, you're right. Fine. It is season two. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah, Riverdale is, is, is interesting in that I feel like it's often, especially season two, um, is it tries to like teach us a lot of things, like mm-hmm. teach us some lessons. Um, season two tries... you teaches us a lesson about um getting attacked uh, by a bear it being that season three teaches Fuck. us I'm, yeah it's okay yeah, i'm a season behind on it's all okay. this it's okay it's okay um no judgment yeah. it's a judgmental it's a judgment free. free zone yeah yeah and we're actually re- recording this in a planet fitness <laughs> <laughs> while we both lift we're lifting a yeah. lot i'm on one of those stair climbers oh yeah and i'm doing the rowing machine this is actually you know what this this is this is a little full circle, but I started going to the gym when I was watching Riverdale because yeah. I wanted to do activities that I could do while watching something. Do we need to wind down? Let me see. Okay. Um, I started doing activities that I could do while watching something, so I would go to the Planet Fitness and sit on the stationary bike and watch one episode of Riverdale, and then I would get on the elliptical and watch another episode of the River of Riverdale. Okay. I watched 30... Five episodes of Riverdale in four days or something. Wow. Yeah, it was fucked. Yeah. Riverdale is fucking good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so Riverdale teaches us a lot of stuff. Yeah. One of the things that Riverdale teaches us in season two is about like um colonization and like stolen land. Mm-hmm. Like when For they sure. when they do the protest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we learn about some direct action, the serpents shutting down the with the silent protest. Also, the serpents being a like, decolonial gang, and yeah, like an originally indigenous yeah. gang, I think shows that like the criminalization of marginalized yeah. groups oftentimes leads them to like um, alternative economies or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so season one, yeah, gives us a a, a powerful invocation. Um, Jughead is being. Um, there's a scene where Jughead is arrested for on suspicion of the murder mm-hmm. of Jason Blossom. Right. And he invokes his right to remain silent. Mm-hmm. And I believe he asked to speak to an attorney. He's like, I'm not going to answer your questions. Like, I want to speak to an attorney. And it's real. I was like, wow, this is really powerful. Like, there's this, like super amazing like invocation yeah um which i really appreciated um i think the rest of the time river the the cast of riverdale kind of like vacillates between like we should talk to the cops and like we absolutely shouldn't talk to the cops and then season three the serpents become the cops um which uh, i hated yeah way down yeah that sucked um yeah fp and then fp is the sheriff I don't like it. No, I don't like it either. I thought it was bad. I thought it yeah. was really bad. Um, 
But I think the most, the thing that really threw me for the biggest loop, there were a couple things. Um, the Jughead in the, in the foster care system mm-hmm. was very interesting to me. Yeah. Um, I watched some of Riverdale with a young person who was currently in the foster care system. Okay. And I kept like feeling like I should pause it, the, the show to be like, just so you know, like you have the right to like go to your school of origin or like pause it and be like, just so you know, like Fred Andrews would have absolutely been able to get guardianship over Jughead. He never would have gone to a foster family. And like, just so you know, like, where the fuck is Jughead's foster parents or like social worker? Cause he's just fully AWOLed from placement. Right. Um, yeah. It was a really interesting, weird, like I think Riverdale like, like often paints a picture of the legal system that like is both and like more lenient than mm-hmm. the actual legal system, like various systems, right? Because we see like, we see a school discipline system where people are constantly being fucking expelled, um, but then like taken back into school right? immediately. Um, we see like, and there's kind of no due process for the expulsion, but similarly no process for reintegration into school. Um, we also see like, a, we see a foster care system that doesn't allow Jughead to be cared for by Fred Andrews, who's already been caring for him, but that also allows him, like, he's just fully fucking AWOL from placement. It doesn't matter. And then he, like, joins a gang and everyone's, like, seems fine. Wasn't there a thing where, like, the serpents were paying off his foster family or something, though? They've paid the foster family for him to, like, stay there. But, like, the social worker doesn't care. Right. The social worker just sort of shows up as as like a record keeper where mm-hmm. she's like, I looked up these records. She's never doing anything for them except like looking up old records. Yeah. Um, and then, but yeah, like he's, yeah, he's able to AWOL. Like he's able to just kind of like do whatever, join a gang, like um, foster parents are being paid off. There clearly wasn't a very good investigation by the county, which probably is right. Mm-hmm. Um and then, like, and then Archie, right, the criminal legal system. Right. Like, Archie is, on the one hand, like, incarcerated in a child's prison that has, like, a child fight ring, mm-hmm. um, for-profit child fight ring. But by the same token, he escapes from prison, goes to Canada, for comes... Like- Six months. Right? Max. Tops. Yeah. Comes back and it's just like, hey, everyone, it's fine. Here I am. Yeah, there's no. There's he, no. He was arrested for murder. Mur- arrested for murder, pleads to manslaughter. Right. Escapes, gets hella, like, tries to escape prison, probably, sh- like, is in this fight club, runs from prison, escapes from prison, and just shows up. And Fred Andrews is like, hey, my son's back. 
and, and then there's no nothing and they never address like his uh sentence being commuted or anything right no no he doesn't get a pardon yeah no. he's not pardoned no there's nothing no sentence commuting no um the biggest obstacle legal obstacle for him is that like he wants to graduate on time with his class right but he missed too much school, so he's got to cheat on the SATs. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. So it's this really bizarre. Um, I told um, Hannah, who's my who's my partner, my spouse, um, who's a film and media scholar. I was like, "Isn't this weird?" And she was like, "All of Riverdale's like that. The legal system's not special." But I'm just thinking about those laws all the time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, all of Riverdale is so strange. Yeah. Like, the way that... The um, way problems happen and then are resolved is really weird. Yeah, it's super complicated. Yeah. Or, like, it's not super complicated. Yeah. It's really... It's actually truly dumb. Yeah. Yeah. I, I listened to a podcast uh, called Crimea Riverdale. Um, and... They're just like, wow, like the felony count of these children is very high. Yeah. Like these kids are constantly doing felonies. And like no one's very good at covering it up. Like Fred Andrews does a fucking robbery. Or not Fred. Um, Fred. Fred's perfect. Um, uh, J, or FP. FP, yeah. FP and his wife. And, and Jughead, Jughead together. Put together, go do, a do an rob- armed robbery. An armed robbery of pops. Of fucking pops. And they're like, oh, seems like it was duress. So you can be the sheriff again? There's mad witnesses too. There's mad witnesses. He like IRL. Oh God. If, if if that happened. Yes. Um would it be necessary for pops to press charges? Or would they? Would there be cause to arrest that whole family? Definitely cause to arrest that whole family. Even if pops was like, they gave the money back, like everything's yeah. sorted. Nope, you, you did the robbery. Yeah. No, they would be arrested. And that's just like a chaotic act that can that has yes. to be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really. I mean, like you have really no the amount of agency that one has over criminal prosecution of. A crime in which one is a victim is very little. Unless it's a domestic violence. Well, even that. Is that changing? Because I I had friends growing up whose, like, moms would never snitch or whatever. And so their shitty dad was never, ever arrested. The issue with domestic violence. Like, first you've got a problem. Like, okay. So there's a domestic violence incident. If the the person if the victim or the complaining witness or the survivor depending on what framework yeah framework you're using right like if that person doesn't call the police or like there's not a report right if there's not a police report made of the that violent incident um then there's no way for that for the person to be arrested but right. then so let's say a neighbor calls the police yeah. or the person needs medical attention and a mandated reporter makes a report if the police if the di- district the district attorney needs a complaining witness like needs a witness to testify in order to move forward right. with the charges so what happens very often is the and that's the victim or the or the complaining witness says, I'm not going to testify 
then often charges won't move forward because of that. Sure, that makes sense. But in the case of pop, right? There's pop, but there's also a million witnesses. Yeah, there's like a whole half of Riverdale is and in pops eating. They're watching Jughead rip off his balaclava. Yeah. And be like, whoops, we're really sorry, Pop. Don't shoot us. No bad security us. culture. Yeah. Yeah. Very bad security culture. Except for season one Jughead, who's... Yeah. Keeps, keeps his, it tight. Keeps the lips zipped. trap shot. Yeah. I mean, he's in a gang season two, and Betty's like, me and my mom did a whoopsie. We did a whoopsie murder, and Jughead's like, we gotta tell the cops. Like, you're in a gang, fool. I love the serpents. There's a lot of reading of Jughead as like a young queer woman. And Wait, yeah, really? a lot of people are like Jughead's a lesbian because Jughead like wears flannel and a denim jacket in season one. That's. People are wired, Colin, and I disagreed with it until season two Jughead joins the serpent. Because here's his trajectory, and you tell me if this sounds familiar. Jughead's like, I don't want to be a serpent. Serpents are a whack. Wow, you can't recruit me into your gang. And then Jughead reluctantly becomes a serpent, and then he's like doing the most. Like, <laughs> all of a sudden, he's like, he's like, he like starts the serpent club. Everyone else, when they transfer to Riverdale High and they're told, like, you can't dress like serpents, you have to dress like preps, he's like, no, we're going to make a serpent role-playing game club and we're going to wear our jackets and I don't care if I'm going to be suspended. And everyone else is like, maybe, like, calm down. Yeah. And he can't. He can't because he's a baby gay, newly out. For me, I was like, wow, Everyone's right. Jughead's a dyke. Wow. He's a new gay. Okay. I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah. That was my, that's my, yeah. I do feel like I, I just like the Cheryl Blossom, Tony Chopez, lesbian, like explicitly lesbian romance. Yeah. And like kinky lesbian romance. Oh, I know. Yeah. They, you know what Becca said to me? Um, Becca was like, because between season, do they get together in season two? Yeah. So between season two and three, they took a cross-country motorcycle road trip together, Tony and Cheryl, that like not, none of it happens on screen. Right. And it's like, where's the where's the like uh, miniseries of fucking Tony and Cheryl's yes. motorcycle road trip? Yes. Like I want to see them yes. riding bikes across the country, yes. robbing places. Yes. Yes. Ugh. Cheryl Blossom. I know. Hot Topic was sold out of her um, spider pendants before I was able to buy one. If any listener has a Cheryl Blossom official Riverdale merch spider pendant, please. P.O. Or Box. Or can get their hand on one. P.O. Box 82551, Pittsburgh, PA, 15218. Let's get this babe a pin. Plop it in the mail. Yeah. Um, do you have any more Riverdale thoughts? Should we wrap up? I think we got to wrap up. I got to cool. get on a. I got to get on a work call. Get on a work call. This has been lovely. Yeah, I had a really good time. Me too. Hell yeah.
me tears and my life and raise my expectations Looking every runs and memories repeating And all your ideals seem to self-defeating So you and your host of Pepsi Generation And when you're discontent, you change the TV station And when you hate your life, don't call it a demon A million brain wants to be, will always hear the same thing And when there is no hope I'll smoke some crack, I'll shoot some dope When there's no enemies I'll sit and stare at my TV And in my ignorance I'll be a slave and sicko fan. Hey, thank you so much um, to Asher for being such a great guest um, and for being so forthright and so willing to talk and also for doing so much good in the goddamn terrible world we live in. Um, thank you to Lacara Occulta for writing the theme song. Um, Go to Maddie's Bookstore if you're ever in New York. That is Book Row. Uh, and there's a new one called Better Red Than Dead, maybe, on No Strand Ave. Um, go check them out. Buy some books. Uh, I feel like most of my listeners are in New York. So you also are all probably most of the people that know me, and so you already know Maddie. But whatever, man. Do your thing. Um, what else? Uh, thank you to Choking Victim for um, turning the music into Sublime. Uh, the music into Sublime. Turning the music of Sublime into something that um, Crust Lords could uh, listen to. I think that was... Um, I don't know, there's a joke there that's just not really panning out. But I do have this working theory that uh, Choking Victim is sublime for Crust Lords. Um, and yeah, what else? I don't know. Like I said before, uh, rate the thing. If you've made it this far, there's no reason you can't. Just give me five stars and write, this is the best podcast I've ever heard. Uh, right? This is the best podcast I've ever read. I, I don't know. I think that'd be funny. Um, and yeah, sign up for my dumb Patreon. Um, no cops, no creeps, no borders, fuck ice, free Palestine. Uh, I don't know, man. The world is a shithole. Hug your friends. Uh, peace. I'm out. <laughs>